Good morning and welcome to City Hope Church. Today, Pastor Peter Pelt will be continuing his sermon series, The Power of Prayer. Well, we are we're going to continue our series on prayer. And I've got two stories to tell this morning about prayer, uh, that just to show that prayer works on testimonies. Uh, Brian had uh, a heart issue this week and uh, his heart rate went to it was 200 and, 204. Uh, and an ambulance was called and uh, they took him in a hospital and did some ECGs and said that he had a heart attack and actually there was a couple of ECGs that kind of said you'd had a heart attack and uh, the church was praying. One of the things I love about this church is we have a, 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 life gr- a Facebook group of prayers, it's about 95 people and I love the fact that it's constantly being uh, populated with people saying, hey, can you pray for me about this? Can you pray for me about that? And uh, I, I love the lean-in that this church has when it comes to prayer. And Dawn rang me up and she said, I'm following the ambulance to hospital. This is the situation. Can you let the prayers know? Now, I love the fact that, Brian, uh, that Dawn's first posture is, well, one, call an ambulance. That's important. <laughs> Secondly, though, uh, let's call the pastor to get the church praying. That's fantastic. And so uh, they, they found that, that a couple of ECGs to say that he had a heart attack. Uh, but then they started doing other tests and they found out, oh no, there was no heart attack. And it's clean bill of health so far, right? Uh, well, I, I think that's an answer to prayer. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's cool. And uh, on the first Sunday of this year, we uh, anointed everyone with oil. And uh, I just felt prompted in God to uh, cut up some pieces of material and call them hope spots and send them all around Australia and around the world and we gave some to come out. Can we have a photo, put the hope spot, red hope spots up? Uh, we got that photo, Paula. Um, anyway, it's in, in, yeah, there they are. We anointed them all and the, the leadership team prayed over them and one of the, it's, it's based on the, the fact that handkerchiefs from the body of Paul went out carrying the anointing. And I remember, I think I shared a testimony I'd heard in Nowra where we'd sent a hope spot up to a lady that was having trouble falling pregnant and uh, she'd, she'd then had a baby as a result of, of being prayed for in the hope spot. And, and I heard this amazing story yesterday of a couple and uh, they'd been having trouble falling pregnant and in fact the doctors had said, look, forget trying everything else, just go straight to IVF because uh, you're going to have trouble having a baby. And this lady got a hope spot and she carried it around for the entire month of January and fell pregnant in January. And so we want to say congratulations to Brian and Amar. Stand up, guys. Yeah, having a baby. Woo! That is so good. So September. September there's going to be a little baby, so that's really exciting. So... Thank you and congratulations. So good. Let me tell you, prayer works, man. Prayer absolutely works. Guess what I'm preaching on this morning? Go, keep going. Keep, keep going. Wow. Nehemiah. Anyway, remember the wall was broken down, then the wall got built. Maybe it lost something in the translation. I don't know. Anyway. I went to uh, Israel in 2015, and we've got some photos, uh, if we put the first photo up. This is the iconic Jerusalem photo as you stand on the Mount of Olives, and you look across uh, to Jerusalem and the, uh, the, the Temple Mount there, and you're looking across 
The Kedron Valley, which is the Valley of Jehoshaphat, where Jehoshaphat won the victory, is in that Kedron Valley just, uh, just there. And, and it's actually, uh, this, all this area here is all graves. Uh, in the early days, uh, the, the, uh, the Jews that were dispersed all wanted to be buried in Jerusalem, and so they would come back, and so all that area is graves. But we were there, uh, and this doesn't really contribute to my sermon, it's just a great, great point. Um, we were there, and a Palestinian Christian who was our tour guide from World Vision actually read, as we stood on the Mount of, uh, of Olives where Jesus ascended, and he read that story. We're going to play that, just a 20 second clip. Uh, it was just, it's just a powerful thing uh, to, to, to actually stand where Jesus. From Luke 24. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Awesome. Thank you. And I love that just randomly, a camel walks past. Just like, just this random, it's just a random camel. Anyway, if you ever get the opportunity to go to Israel, uh, I, I recommend it. Uh, you, you hear people, I was really kind of neutral on it, it was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but you hear people that have gone to Israel and they come back and they always, like, they seem to rave about it and, and I'm one of those people now. So, yeah. But anyway, back to my sermon. So, uh, Nehemiah obviously built or rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And so I wanted to kind of just show you uh, the wall. That is, this is the eastern wall around Jerusalem. The wall is 4,012 metres, so four kilometres around Jerusalem. And obviously in Nehemiah's day it was broken down, but I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. But this is the eastern gate. And Jerusalem has changed hands 14 times. Like the Muslims kind of conquered it a few times. The Crusaders got it back. Uh, the Babylonian king got it a few times. Uh, it's, it's changed hands now uh, multiple times. And, and even now, Jerusalem's got the, the Muslim quarter, the Christian quarter, the Jewish quarter, and I guess as the others quarter. Just, uh, but uh, anyway, but I found this really interesting because one time when the Muslims owned Jerusalem, they, they concreted up the eastern gate. And the reason they did that is because, and Renee, without me knowing, without knowing, I was preaching on this, talked about how Jesus is coming back through one of the gates of Jerusalem, and the, the, the prophecy in Revelation is that he'll come back through the eastern gate. And so the Muslims concrete it up so Jesus can't get through. <laughs> True story. True story. But anyway, so what happened was uh, with Nehemiah is that... Uh, you remember when I was talking about a short history of everything and I was going through the Old Testament that after there was King Saul and King David and King Solomon and then after King Solomon there's a civil war in Israel and Israel was broken up into two tribes, uh, two nations. One was the ten northern tribes which they called Israel, then the two southern tribes which was Benjamin and Judah which was called Judah. So there's two nations now, Israel and Judah. The prophet Amos was, had a word for the nation of Israel, the 10 northern tribes, about systemic injustice. And Amos said, unless you change, then I'm going to obliterate you off the face of the earth. And they refused to, to change. And so as a result, uh, God judged Israel and, and the 10 northern tribes ceased to exist. So Judah and Benjamin, 
known as Judah, is now the only line of Israel or, or, or Jews that now exist. And so out of uh, a, a prophet then came to, to the nation of Judah and said, hey, you're playing the harlot with other gods. You're, you're serving other gods. You're, 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 you shouldn't be doing that. You should serve Yahweh, the one true God of heaven. And, and the, the warning was, if you don't repent, I'm going to bring judgment and take you into captivity. Well, of course, they didn't do that. And so Judah was taken into captivity by the Babylonians. Now, during that time of captivity, there were 70 years. We know the stories of, of Daniel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Ezra and Nehemiah all happened in that 70 year uh, time of captivity under the Babylonians. What happened was Nehemiah was uh, born into captivity. So he didn't know the, 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 the glory days of, of when Israel was free. He was born into captivity and he's serving as the, king cup, the, the king's cupbearer, King Xerxes. And it's 56 years after captivity that Nehemiah hears a story and some people go back to Jerusalem and they come back to uh, the Babylonians and they say to Nehemiah, the walls of Jerusalem are broken down. So they've been broken down now for 56 years. Nothing's been done. So Nehemiah goes to prayer. In fact, the Bible says that he, he, he mourned and he wept for a few days and then he began to, to pray. And we're going to read his prayer in just a moment's time. It was part of the homework that I gave you a few weeks ago. Uh, and, and he prays, and basically what he prays, he prays a whole series of different things. But, but one of the things that he's asking for is, he says, God, I, I want to go to the king and I want to ask the king to release me from my job to be able to go and build the walls of, of, uh, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And not only do I want him to release me, but I want him to pay as well. I want him to send, send guards. I want him to send resources. I want his bank card or his credit card. And so he prays that. He goes to the king. The king gives him what he asks. So ultimately he goes to Jerusalem and he, 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 there's a whole stack of, of uh, opposition that he faces. There are people that don't want the walls rebuilt. Uh, there are people that don't think that he should be the one that rebuilds the walls. And so there's a whole stack of, of, of political unrest, of, of, of upset and all this kind of stuff. But he does this, gets this miracle where he rebuilds the walls in 52 days. So they've been broken down 56 years. Nehemiah comes in, rebuilds the walls, 52 days. It's a miracle. Let's look at his prayer. His prayer is in Nehemiah chapter 1. It'll be on the screen. Actually, before we do that, throw the definition of prayer. I, I thought this was good. Uh, definition of prayer I found this week. Prayer is communicating with God for the purposes of knowing Him, seeking His heart, and doing His will. It is putting your ear to God's chest to hear and to know His heartbeat. That's a good definition of prayer. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah's prayer is this. The words of Nehemiah, son of Mr. Nehemiah, it came to pass in the month of Chisley, in the 20th year as I was in Shoshan, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah and, uh, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who were left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. So it was when I heard those words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. 
And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the, the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I pray, bless, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. So he actually spends a lot of time praying before he gets to what he actually wanted. And I think we can learn a lot by looking at, at the way people pray. I think you can, you can find out a lot uh, about a person's walk with God by the way they pray. Now, I don't really have time to play this clip, but I'm going to play it anyway. This is a bit tongue-in-cheek, uh, but I've been around Pentecostal churches now for a long time, and these are the ways that I've seen people pray. It's, again, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, so give me some grace, but it's pretty funny. You're laughing because you know it's true. <laughs> hey, we got, speaking of that, we've got prayer meeting tonight, so make sure you come. <laughs> Those two are unrelated. Hey, so I want to ask, I've got nine minutes. I want to answer three questions. When should I pray? Why should I pray? And how should I pray? The answer to the first one, when should I pray, is before you do anything else. Nehemiah uh, was a man of action. He was, he was a leader. He obviously got things done. He was a construction supervisor. He's a project manager. He's, he, man, Nehemiah was, was the man. He's, he's getting stuff done. 52 days to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem showed that Nehemiah was, I would think, a deep personality, a leader, and he's getting things done. So he, gets, he, he, he becomes across a problem. He comes across a problem. And his first thing is to pray. And I find that greatly challenging. Because I'm, I'm a fix-it guy. I'll fix stuff. And I've always told my girls ever since they were young, Dad fixes things. I'm here to fix stuff. Uh, I think, is it Laura or Lakeisha? That's it's you. The, uh, in Laura's phone, my name is The Fixer. <laughs> right? So I fix stuff. I'm, I'm in. So when I come across a problem, I've got to constantly remind myself, first I've got to pray. Because the, the, the tendency is, for people like me, my, my personality type, is to just jump in. I'll just, just fix it. But, but Nehemiah here, he prays. And when we look at the early church, uh, and I, I, the early church, I won't go through all the scriptures, but it says they, they all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication. Another verse, and they continued steadfastly in prayer. Another verse, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. Another verse, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Another verse, but we will give ourselves continually prayer. I mean, they're constantly praying, the early church praying. So when, when, should, pardon me, when should you pray? First. First. Secondly, how sh why should we pray? Why should we pray? Because it shows that we're depending on God. 
It shows that we, we, we don't think that we can handle the problem ourselves, but we're actually leaning into God saying, God, I can't do this by myself. Well, one of the most powerful things about prayer is that we're activating our faith. Again, why I love the, the, the Facebook page that Chris runs uh, on prayer is because it's about this church leaning in. It's about following an ambulance saying, hey, I can't do this. I can't fix this myself. I'm going to lean into the presence of God. It's about carrying a red spot around for a month saying, God, we've got, we're in trouble here, but I'm believing you. I'm, I'm depending on you. I'm leaning into the presence of God. Why should you pray? Because it shows you're depending on God. Why should you pray? Because it lightens your load. When Nehemiah heard what was going on in Jerusalem, his, his great distress, his, his, his weeping, his, his broken. But he begins to pray to God. In fact, the, the name Nehemiah is that the Lord is my comfort. And we need to understand Isaiah 40, 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So to be able to come and say, God, I'm in trouble here. I'm leaning in. I want to pray because it's about me being depending on you. But it's also about you lightening my load, you taking this burden off me. Particularly if we're dealing with bad news, with a tough situation. God, I need you to come and lighten my load. Why should I pray? Because it releases God's power. I love this quote. Uh, Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So the, the quote is, prayer can do whatever God can do. Whatever God can do, prayer can do. Prayer taps into the very resources of God. It releases the power. All the promises of God are up there waiting to be claimed. It releases the power of God. It, it shows we're depending on Him. It shows that we, we're saying, God, you need to lighten our load. But then we're releasing the power of God by our prayers. So how should I pray? Third question. We should pray basing our prayers on the character of God. There's no point, there's no point praying against the character of God. Right? Like... Like there's no point praying that, that he judges somebody or that he, he you know, takes your mother-in-law into the eternities. or uh, like it's, it's against the character of God. So we've got, to pray, we've got to pray based on the character of God. And, and one of the ways that I like to pray is I like to pray read the Bible. Where you open up scriptures like Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19 and the, 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 the next four or five verses and just pray through. As, as it's talking about that, that we receive our inheritance, that we'd, we'd understand what is the exceeding greatness of His power that is towards us who believe. Talking about the, 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 uh, the, the eyes of our uh, hope would be enlightened. And, and, and to be able to go through and to pray, read the Word of God means that we're praying according to the character of God. If you have a look at Nehemiah, Nehemiah comes here and he says, I'm expecting you to answer God because... You're great. He says, verse 5, it says, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of love with those who love Him and obey His command. He says, God, you're great. So he's, he comes to God talking about God's position, God's greatness. He says, God, you're great. Then he says, number two, he says, God, you're awesome. So one, he talks about God's position. Then he talks about God's power. God, you're awesome. 
Then he talks about how God is a covenant-keeping God. God's covenant. So to be able to come into the presence of God and say, God, you're a faithful God. God, you're an awesome God. You're a great God. You're a loving God. You're a wonderful God. God, you can handle any problem that I, I, I come before you. It's, 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 it's a praise thing. Nehemiah starts his prayer basically with praise. I'm here to praise you, God. I'm here to tell you how awesome you are. I'm here to praise you. I'm, I'm here to base my request on who you are, on, on your character. The second thing that he does is in terms of how you pray, Nehemiah confesses his sin, but not just his sin, but the sin of the nation. And he uses a lot of I, my, we, as he's, as he's confessing the sins of what the nation has done. Now, this is a challenge for me because I thought, I mean, in our society, it's all about the individual. Rarely do we ever actually have a time of repentance for our nation. I actually was challenged by this and I started writing a prayer. And so here's, here's a question for you guys. If you were going to repent on behalf of Australia, what would be in your list of things to repent from? That was a challenge. Because I thought here, Nehemiah, Nehemiah didn't commit these sins that caused Israel to be judged, but Nehemiah has come before God and he's nothing in the nation of Israel. I mean, he's, he's nothing but the king's cupbearer. All he does is taste the, the, the juice of, of the, the orange juice that the king drinks in the morning to make sure it's not poisoned. That's his entire role in the nation of, of Babylon. Like he's nobody in the nation, but yet here he is positioning himself to repent on behalf of the sins or on, on behalf of, of, of his nation that he's not even a part of at the moment. In fact, the, the nation didn't really even exist. It had been taken over by Babylon. But here is Nehemiah confessing his sins. I think it's a powerful thing for us to do. To be able to say, God, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for the way Australia has passed abortion laws of late. God, I'm sorry for that. God, I'm sorry that we failed in the judicial system to protect our women. God, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry that one in three children, uh, one in three girls are molested. God, I'm sorry about that. Like we're failing people. We're failing our most vulnerable in our nation. God, I'm sorry about the way we treat mental, mentally ill people, particularly in rural areas. I'm sorry, God, that we failed our farmers. So many of them have taken their lives. God, I'm sorry about some of the behaviour of the politicians in Canberra. The lack of integrity. What would you repent for on behalf of Australia? Maybe in your own personal quiet time, just as they say, God, I'm sorry about that. Nehemiah, as the museums come back, we're about to wrap it up. So Nehemiah, how does he pray? He bases his request on the character of God. Secondly, he confesses the sin in his life, but also in the life of his nation. Thirty claims the promises of God. Verse 8 and 9. Remember the instructions you gave to your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commandments, then even your exiled people from the farthest horizon, I will gather them. 
He's basically saying, hey, God, remember what you said. God, you said this. And, and there's different places in the Bible where, where God actually says, hey, remind me of my word. Anyone who's had children, children know that, man, when you say something, but dad, you said, I could have a Freddo after school. Yes, but there's a cyclone that's hit and our car is floating down a river right now. But, but dad, <laughs> you said, okay, when we get out of the river, I'll give you a Freddo. It's okay. But, but dad, and, and it's almost like that where we have to say, God, and, and not because God's forgotten, but God wants us to know and activate our faith and say, come on, God, I need you to remember your word. And then finally, be very specific in what you ask for. Verse, verses 10, Nehemiah goes through and he's very specific in what he asks for. God, this is, this is what I want from you. I remember, a, last story, uh, I was, uh, a few years ago, I was praying for something and uh, I've been praying for a few years for this and, and nothing really happened. And then I read Yongi Cho's book, The Fourth Dimension. Who's read that book? Uh, it's an old school book. But Yongi Cho's got one of the largest churches in, in the world at the time. Uh, just an amazing man of faith. And he said, hey, if you want a bicycle, don't just ask God for a bicycle. Ask God for a bicycle with a red basket and a blue seat and a certain brand and certain tyres and, and, and list it all out. And he said, you've got to be specific. And I thought, nah, God knows. But I've been praying for, 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 this, for this particular thing for a couple of years. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to try this out. And I listed out 10 things, really specific, like, like really specific of things that I wanted. That next week, my answer, in a very, very dramatic fashion, uh, my prayer was answered. Being specific. Nehemiah was very specific on what he wanted. So how, do you, how should you pray? Based on, the, based on the character of God. Being specific. Reminding God at, God at his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity this morning. Lord, to be inspired by the prayer of Nehemiah. Father, I pray that you help us in our prayer life. Lord, that we could be better prayers. Lord, that we could be more engaging in our faith and, and engaging with the Holy Spirit. And God, that we would see more testimonies, Father, even in this church of answers to prayer. Father, we pray for the prayer meeting tonight. Lord, be attentive to the prayers that are made in the castle tonight. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Father, we, and we thank you for Brian, for the healing that we believe that he's received. Father, we thank you for... Brian and Amar's baby. Father, that's just awesome. And Father, thank you for the miracles that came through other hope spots that we gave out. Father, we give you praise and honour and glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Have a blessed week.